This podcast is an unedited excerpt from an MCLE program presented at MCLE's Conference Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Please note that MCLE's products, services, and communications are offered solely as an aid to developing and maintaining professional competence. The statements in this recording may not apply to your circumstances, and no legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice is being rendered by MCLE or its speakers. For full terms and conditions, please see the MCLE website. Good afternoon. Um, this is Stephen Chow. Uh, and with me is Quincy Caton. Uh, we'll be covering the second uh, part of the slides. Uh, this, uh, the title of this uh, uh, one-hour program uh, was created uh, by uh, popular demand at MCLA. Is the um, idea behind uh, counterfeiting and copyrights. Copyrights, uh, as you hear later on, covers a lot of other different things. Counterfeiting uh, tends to be uh, more restricted. In fact, <clears throat> often we talk about uh, piracy <clears throat> in the copyright context as exact copying or intentional counterfeiting. Uh, and counterfeiting often talks about uh, uh, trademarks. Now, this is generally the idea of piracy uh, is the theft of benefits to the pirated, the benefits of the pirated or counterfeited product. Uh, we often use the term theft, uh, misappropriation, and other things uh, like that uh, when we're talking about intellectual property or stealing ideas or stealing information. Uh, the exact framework is may be restricted given a particular type of law, such as the a more recent uh, Defend Trade Secrets Act and the Economic Espionage Act. But theft uh, is generally thought about uh, as the uh, taking of the benefits of the pirated or counterfeited product. Now, this may be uh, theft and damage to the goodwill or reputation of the owner of rights uh, in the pirated or counterfeited uh, product or mark. Or it may be uh, the literal copying of a part of a copyrighted work. For example, uh, just someone printing up a copy of the book or stealing uh, books and distributing them. And um, the uh, it may be something that's repurposed, for example, in sampling or a mashup and other things like that. But those things might be not be considered theft. Uh, but it's literal copying that uh, is uh, rather than uh, taking something and making some derivative work of it. Uh, the idea of gray goods is covered here. Uh, gray goods are genuine product, uh, but distributed through an unauthorized channel. And uh, examples of product purchased abroad for a lower price and then imported or overstock. So for example, you may see um, at a pharmacy or large uh, big box uh, company uh, perfume or shampoo that uh, may have been originally meant for a hotel and it somehow found its way into the secondary market. And some of these things even say that this is not for uh, single use, uh, but uh, the law at this point doesn't necessarily uh, prohibit that. Uh, so the some of these may escape enforcement on a first sale or exhaustion by authorized sale approach. So we'll send one slide working on that. But let's um, 
the rights holders try to discipline their channel partners by restricting in the contracts uh, for product, uh, um, basically product tracing. And we'll talk about that shortly. But the concern in this seminar uh, is the investment that's protected. Uh, so your clients uh, will be interested in having spent a lot of money in developing a product with both its functional and aesthetic benefits wants to uh, make uh, use of it. Uh, then there's the development of goodwill, the name, the brand, the reputation. These are some of the most important parts of intellectual property. And uh, this reputation is among the consuming public. Uh, so this fosters demand and trust in the brand. People will come and buy your client's goods because it's got the name. And this has been over the years very important. Uh, it's protected uh, our country, uh, for example, uh, with respect to tainted milk. Uh, once we had both the Federal Drug Administration, Food and Drug Administration, as well as uh, the ability of uh, people to protect their own brands, uh, we were able to get rid of uh, tainted goods. Uh, and uh, they still happen, but with the very less lower frequency. And then there's the goodwill in the distribution channel. Uh, the uh, value of the line that uh, someone takes uh, uh, for uh, and how much they're willing to pay for it. Uh, for example, uh, distributing it through uh, a uh, big box store or any other retail store and even online, uh, the uh, value of your brand is important. So the protection uh, can be uh, made in different ways and maybe through functionality protected by utility patents, which is applied for and patented uh, if it's new and non-obvious. Uh, that's not the subject of this session. It's uh, very extensive, but we will touch on it uh, in the design patent side. Aesthetics, if it's um, an original uh, expression, is protected by copyright. Uh, goodwill is protected by trademark law. Uh, U.S. design patents protect the ornamental part of a functional object. Uh, and uh, it, um, this can, again, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit uh, as uh, protected as novel and non-obvious. And this can protect aspects of the product as well as the goodwill and uh, or the association of its source. So some of the basics for copyrights. Copyrights protect expressions, not the ideas or the facts or the processes. Uh, they uh, this is original organization is protected, uh, not a alphabetical directory, but sometimes you can put together a compilation uh, that has some uh, creative aspect, uh, something that's not simply an alphabetical organization. Uh, typically in, cop, uh, for, in the counterfeit area, we're talking about pirated works, typically of books or artwork on clothing, for example, t-shirts that are reproduced without the authorization of the copyright uh, owner, uh, typically the artist. Uh, copyrights have to be asserted by the owners, but the uh, ownership, the first owner is the author, uh, and that may be the employer in a work for hire situation. Uh, work for hire is very uh, complex and uh, the, you have to be careful about it. Uh, typically you want the creator to, uh, to make an assignment uh, even if they are not uh, uh, strictly an employee, you will want to get a uh, written assignment. 
uh, subsequent owners must be assigned in writing, uh, except in the heir situation. Now, copyrights are pretty, in some ways, uh, pretty easy because they are automatically created upon fixation. So as soon as the artwork is painted, as soon as the photograph is made, uh, it is uh, copyright does exist. Copyright notices are not required, but they're useful. And registration is required prior to filing a suit. <clears throat> now, what are basic trademarks uh, considerations for trademarks? Uh, trademarks and service marks protect the public against confusion and uh, of the uh, source of the products or the services. In the United States, unlike other countries, the use of the mark is what establishes the protection. So the really the um, use-associated source is the owner of the mark. And, um, the, and when you try to transfer the mark, uh, it's often, uh, it, the mark has to go along with the goodwill. This is a little bit complicated, uh, but typically you can't just uh, assign a, uh, a mark, uh, what we say, in gross. That is, you have to have some, uh, some of the goodwill uh, and how it transfers is not entirely clear. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, there's quality control that has to go. Uh, if it's the same type of product, uh, then there must be uh, some sort of association uh, with that product as well. Now, the strength of the protection that is uh, protection against confusion um, of a mark is the greatest for arbitrary, uh, fanciful marks, things that are just made up uh, like uh, oh, uh, Xerox or something like that, uh, and uh, something less suggestive and descriptive. Uh, and in some situations where there's a mark that's descriptive, uh, that uh, if you're talking about uh, some secure, some lock, you know, a secure lock or something like that, uh, it's descriptive and it may not be uh, registerable uh, as a trademark at the start in the federal trademark system after five years uh, use uh, that uh, is not contested by other people, you may get a uh, ability to register those marks. There's no protection for generic marks. That is something that uh, people use to describe the, uh, the object or the service as such. Uh, and um, trademarks can be words, designs, or combinations. Uh, not so much in this uh, uh, seminar, but uh, even uh, certain colors and smells. Um, but you know, even then, uh, we may see that there are counterfeits uh, based on that uh, uh, the smell of Play-Doh, for example, has been found to be uh, uh, protected by trademark. Um, now, infringement is shown by the likelihood of confusion, uh, exact copying or even misspelling that people just uh, mistake. Uh, and um, these things are, are in the counterfeit area, but even in other areas, there may be likelihood of confusion, even if there's no intent to counterfeit. Common law trademark actions are possible. Uh, uh, this traditionally was an unfair competition basis uh, in, in state law, uh, so that uh, it again is protecting the public rather than a particular uh, owner. Here again, it's better to register trademarks and federal registration gives constructive uh, notice uh, and it gives federal court jurisdiction. So for example, in 
if you um, someone runs a restaurant locally, they may have that trademark uh, within a certain area. But someone in California uh, may be able to get the same trademark. However, if the mark is used in commerce and is registered as in interstate commerce, then the later uh, the later user of the mark, for example, in California, uh, may not be able to, uh, to register trademark. Whether or not they're found to be infringing of the first trademark um, may be uh, a tougher question. Now, <clears throat> what are uh, basic uh, design uh, considerations for design patterns? Uh, design patterns I, I raise um, because, uh, interestingly, in the patent field, uh, design patents have commanded uh, the highest uh, returns uh, in infringement actions. For example, in the iPhone case, uh, just the uh, idea that, well, the, the fact that uh, the screen is set up a certain way and the uh, side of the iPhone is beveled, that is with a certain, uh, certain uh, angle, uh, was found to be uh, a um, valid design patents. So typically what you do in a design patent is you get, you have a drawing of what the design is and in the United States and now in China, uh, you can indicate parts of that design that are, that you are claiming uh, a, a new and useful aspect to it. Uh, that, uh, so example, for example, uh, the drawing of the iPhone uh, may show the whole iPhone, but it, it uh, sets off uh, uh, the things that are not important in, in dotted lines, and then the beveled uh, uh, face of the uh, of the iPhone is actually what uh, was patented. The sign patents protect for up to 14 years, as opposed to uh, to um, utility patents, which are 20 years from uh, filing. Uh, but this is um, from the uh, and. Again, this is a new and non-obviousness ornamentation. For example, the non-functional shape or color of an article of manufacture. This is infringed by an unauthorized application to of the design uh, or a colorable imitation to an article uh, for sale uh, or sale or exposure for sale, uh, and the um, the to which the article design is applied. Uh, so substantially the same such that the ordinary observer, uh, given uh, uh, such attention as the purchaser usually gives, is induced to purchase. So this is somewhat different from the uh, copyright uh, idea where this actually has to be copying and then uh, there's a substantial similarity in copyrights that is actually useful for two reasons. One, in copyrights, uh, to establish that there is some copying. And so for example, and this is less so in, in the actual uh, total counterfeiting side. Uh, for example, if you find a cop, a, um, often people use uh, implant uh, some defect, or for example, a, in a telephone book, the wrong a phone number so you can find out that other people copied. So part of the idea is that to, to actually show copying, you may show uh, 
access plus substantial similarity uh, as the uh, function of showing the factual copyright, but then you need to show that there's actually a lawful, a uh, legal misappropriation by showing uh, some appropriation by some uh, some similarity. And in this case, uh, in the design case, it's a little bit different uh, because the uh, the object is a little bit like uh, trademarks as well. That uh, it's it's who who is the purchasing public that uh, that uh, really is um, is deceived. Uh, so th we have a different mix of different issues for uh, copyrights and trademarks and designs, and they each address aspects of things that uh, people see as uh, and are um, often uh, deceived by uh, by the counterfeit uh, type of situation. In uh, design patents. Um, there's also the uh, total profit versus um, uh, versus aspects of utility patents, and that's why I mentioned that uh, uh, the, in recent years uh, much more uh, damages were uh, found for the infringement of Apple's uh, design patent uh, than for any technology inside the. Uh, inside the phone because the, that technology could be found uh, presented, uh, provided in different ways. So the, uh, again, the, uh, the appearance is something that was very important uh, to, uh, to the public to buying the iPhone. Um, and one issue that is for some consideration is that use um, is not required as in trademarks. So this uh, becomes a, uh, what we call a, um, um, Strict liability situation that uh, that uh, if um, intent doesn't matter, uh, you can walk into a design patent just like as you could walk into a uh, utility patent. What's uh, the dangers of failure to enforce a trademark uh, is loss of goodwill. Uh, in fact, uh, value of the trademark. Uh, you risk consumer confusion with inferior goods. And then there's this association of lower quality with the product and with the uh, manufacturer uh, that um, uh, counterfeited. Now this is a potential weakening of rights in trademarks or the ability to, uh, to, uh, to assert the trademark against uh, future infringers. I'm gonna spend a few moments uh, on the uh, unauthorized uh, distribution of authentic goods. Um, as I mentioned, gray goods are secondary or follow-up markets. Uh, they uh, they could involve arbitrage, uh, that is uh, parallel importation. So, uh, for example, uh, the uh, famous case uh, involves a, a student from Thailand buying books in Thailand and bringing them into the United States and selling them uh, the textbooks for one half or one third of the price that uh, is sold in the American market. And he was uh, sued and um, he, it ultimately went up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court found that because the publisher sold the book in uh, Thailand uh, under uh, authorized such sale, then he uh, bought it. Uh, it was uh, the intellectual property rights were exhausted upon that sale and he uh, could bring it to the United States and sell it for 
a higher price than he got in in um, in um, Thailand. Well, he had to pay in Thailand and got a much higher price here. Um, he didn't do a lot of it, but uh, he, he did enough to make uh, quite a bit of money for himself. Uh, there's also, as I mentioned, the idea that um, uh, you see the situation where you may get uh, shampoo, you may get um, uh, suntan lotion uh, or uh, sunblock uh, in a state uh, where there's always a sunshine, maybe in, uh, in California, uh, California or in Florida where uh, overstock is purchased uh, from uh, from stores or from hotels uh, in the northern areas, and uh, some uh, the idea of having this uh, secondary market is uh, actually uh, quite important to keep uh, down uh, costs. You see dollar stores, you see overstock, you see other things like that. Uh, manufacturers typically don't like that. Uh, sometimes it's okay. It is argued that there's efficiency in consumer welfare versus waste, and this is one reason why the a Supreme Court has protected this, uh, and uh, the it's protected against uh, resale of copyrighted and patented products uh, after authorized use. Uh, trademarks, on the other hand, are under different law. Uh, originally, the uh, Kmart case uh, also uh, went the way of this uh, idea of exhaustion. However, the, uh, Congress passed other laws under the Customs Act and this is uh, what you would be concerned about if you were concerned about trademarks, uh, that, um, uh, that uh, they uh, have to be put on by the, uh, the actual uh, uh, trademark owner. Uh, and, but there are some, uh, some loopholes in that are, that are fairly complicated. But the idea is that uh, people do use, uh, have used, try to use uh, copyrights, for example, to prevent uh, the parallel importation. Uh, for example, putting, saying that, uh, that the uh, markings, uh, the logos, and other things uh, on a uh, bottle of perfume was subject to copyright law, and that uh, could not come in uh, because that was, a, that was the importation or that's a distribution of a copyrighted work. It was found by the Supreme Court that that itself did not do it. Now, generally, what uh, do people try to use uh, to prevent this sort of gray goods uh, distribution is to discipline the dis uh, distribution channel using contracts. And uh, essentially, you contract with uh, the hotel or you contract with the, uh, with, uh, the distributor uh, that the, they may not go and take this uh, and send it to someone else. And people can try to track the product by putting serial numbers on. And the, the filing of serial numbers is considered to be a, can be considered to be a, a copyright uh, violation. People use invisible inks and that kind of thing. But what uh, typically happens in these cases uh, is that it's a breach of contract action against the offending uh, distributor. Sometimes the distributor is just simply uh, terminated. It depends on a little bit on the uh, strength of the um, of the, uh, of the manufacturer versus the distributor. If you're a very popular manufacturer, you may have a lot more uh, control over the distributor uh, 